Let's turn back over to Ephesians chapter 2. And last night, if there was anybody who was not here, I started teaching on a message that I call, you've already got it. Is there anybody here this morning who was not here last night? Could I see your hand so I can know who did not hear it last night? Praise God, a lot of new people. Well, welcome. And last night I started talking and basically I'm talking from the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is nearly opposite the way that religion is today. Religion is basically saying, yes, there is a God. Yes, God can do anything, but he has done nothing. And you have to petition him and you have to pray and you have to seek him and you have to lay hold of God and you have to get God to move. The book of Ephesians is written from an exact opposite perspective. And it starts off in verse 3 by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And we just begin to go through this first chapter last night and got down to verses uh, 15 through the end of the chapter, first chapter, and he was praying a prayer. And he wasn't praying and saying, oh God, pour out your power and oh God, move and oh God, touch this generation. Instead, he was saying, Father, show them what you've already done. Show them, open up the eyes of their understanding. Verse 18, help them to see the hope of his calling and the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. And he said it was proportional to the same power that he used when he raised Jesus from the dead. And last night I was just sharing that all of these things are already done. You already have raising from the dead power on the inside of you. And instead of us having to ask God to heal, instead what we do is praise God that by His stripes we were healed, 1 Peter 2.24. We take our authority and you speak and you command healing to come to pass. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, it says, Go, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. It didn't ask you to pray for the sick, which is what most people do. They come and they say, well, let's pray for you. And they say, oh, Father, we are nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. We are nobody without you, which is all true. But the thing that's wrong with that logic is that we aren't without him. Amen. And religion will emphasize that without him, you are nothing. John chapter 15, verse five, without me, you can do nothing. And that's true, but we aren't without him. And to stop right there is wrong. And so religion basically will say, oh God, we have nothing. We can't do anything. It's cancer. It's beyond our ability. Would you heal please? Pretty please. God, pour out your power. Touch this person. Heal this person. You'll die praying that way. That's wrong. And even to say, we believe that you can do it is wrong. You'll die. To say, God, we claim your healing is wrong. You'll die. It doesn't work. What you've got to do is thank him that he's already done it. He put this power on the inside of you. And then you take your authority. And according to Mark chapter 11, verse 23, you speak to the mountain. He said, whosoever will say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That says specifically, you speak to the mountain about God. Don't talk to God about your mountain. Don't tell God what the doctor said. Don't tell God how bad it hurts. Don't tell God all of these things. Like Lamont was saying this morning, quit magnifying the problem and magnify the answer. 
Talk to your problem and say, problem, in the name of Jesus, be cast into the sea. Cancer, get out of my body. I command you out of my body. And some people think, well, who do you think you are? Well, apart from Jesus, I'm nothing, but I am not apart from Jesus. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. And in Christ, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you have to know your position. And instead of asking God to heal, you thank him that he's already healed. He put this raising from the dead power on the inside of you. And you say, sickness, get out of my body. Pain, get out of my body. If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. You know, I have people come to me every service and they tell me these pitiful situations and they are pitiful. I mean, they're pitiful. They are in bad shape. They're hurting. It's just terrible. But they come across so pitiful, like I can do nothing. And they just come wanting sympathy or pity or something. And I say, well, what are you doing about this? And that always shocks them. It's like, Well, I can't do anything about it. The doctor says it's incurable. You'll you'll stay sick with that attitude. Well, I can't do anything. Well, see, you don't know who you are in Christ. Man, the Lord said you resist the devil. The word resist means to actively fight against. You resist the devil and he will flee from you. Most people aren't resisting. They aren't actively fighting against it. They're saying, oh God, please get the devil off my back. That is not resisting the devil. Saying, dear devil, please leave me alone is not resisting the devil. You need to get angry. You need to stir yourself up and you need to take your authority and you need to speak to your problems like you are somebody more than just a mere man or woman. You need to talk like you're a person who's possessed by God, who has the life of God on the inside of you. You need to talk like a person who believes that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And yet most Christians are just like, well, I can't do anything. I'm only human. I'm just a man. I'm not only human. One third of me is wall to wall Holy Ghost. I got the power of God living on the inside of me. And see, this is what we were talking about in the first chapter is that you now have that raising from the dead power on the inside of you. And then look at chapter 2. He just continues this. Remember that the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verses. This was one letter written to the Ephesians. This is not a new subject. It's not a change of topics. It's just put in there for the purpose of reference so that I can, you know, we can refer to this rather than have to read the entire uh, letter. We can talk about chapter 2. But it's not a new thought. And so right after he had talked about the seating greatness of his power towards us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead when God raised raised him up and set him on the right hand and put everything under his feet. Then he says in chapter 2, verse 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. The point is, if you connect this back to the preceding verse, it's not only talking about that God's power That God has power, but God has put this power on the inside of you. He quickened you or made you alive. This isn't talking about in your physical body. It's talking about in your spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 10 says that you have been quickened in the spirit. That the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Your spirit is the part of you that's been quickened. You won't always feel this in your body. You have to believe it in your heart and get this working in your spirit, man, before it manifests itself in the physical body. And there's so many people that are just so physically 
carnally dominated that until they can feel something in their body, until a doctor can prove that you don't have it, they don't believe that there's any power working. And you know what? That's what the Bible calls carnal. Carnal to most people is a term that they think means sinful, bad. That's not what the word carnal means. It just means natural. Actually, if you look the word up in the Greek, the word that's translated carnal... It just means the flesh as stripped of skin. In other words, it's not talking about your skin. It's talking about if you were to strip the skin off, it's just meat. Matter of fact, when you use the word chili, concarni, did you know that the word carni means meat and it comes from the same Greek word that carnal comes from? The word carnal means meat. Flesh as stripped of skin. So when you say you're carnally minded, we're saying you're a meathead. (laughs) Amen. The word carnal just means that you're natural. All you are is just, you are limited to what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And of course, everything that's sinful is carnal, but not everything that's carnal is sinful. You could be a very good person. You could be a sweet person. You could be a Christian that would never go out and dip or cuss or chew or go with those that do. You could live holy. You could do all of these things and be as carnal as the day is long. You could be in a position where until the doctor says you're healed, you can't believe you're healed. You don't believe anything that you can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. That's what the Bible calls carnal. And sad to say, that's where most of us live is in the carnal realm. But there is a whole spiritual world. There's a whole spiritual you. And the truth is, just like this said, you have been made alive in the spirit. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of you. It's not out there somewhere that you have to pray down. It doesn't come and go. Your perception of God's presence and anointing comes and goes. And sometimes you feel more of God than you do at other times. But the truth is he never leaves you. And we sang that song this morning. Oh, no, he'll never let go. There are times that you feel like he let go, but you know what? He didn't. God never changes. It's you that's up and down like a yo-yo. It's you that perceives God sometimes. And most of that's based on what we focus on. If you're out there watching as the stomach turns on television and listening to all of the junk and singing country and Western music about your dog running away and losing your truck and losing your wife, well, no wonder you're depressed and discouraged. And that stuff will decrease your perception of God's presence and stuff. But the truth is God never fluctuates. He's never more in love with you at one time than he is at another time. It's always the same. In the spirit, you have been quickened in the spirit and you are risen with Christ and you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You have power. And there is no reason for us to be intimidated by the devil. There's no reason for us to be intimidated by sickness and recession and talk about the same fears that other people have. Man, you ought to be radically different. Recession isn't something that affects a Christian if you believe God. Now, if you don't believe God, you have a part of you that's human and you can be as poor as anybody else. You can be as sick as anybody else. You can be as depressed as anybody else because there is a part of you that is carnal But there is also a part of you that has been resurrected with Christ and you have raising from the dead power. And if you would operate out of the spirit man, you can be healed of any sickness or any disease. You can go through any recession and prosper while everybody else is in poverty. You can succeed. I don't care if you're going through a divorce, if other people hate you, whatever happens, you can prosper. The power of God on the inside of you is infinitely greater than whatever problem you're having. It's not even worthy to be compared. 
Man, that's good preaching. You have been raised from the dead. And then in verse two, it says, wherein in times past, you walked according to the course of this world. That's talking about you just walked like everybody else. Sad to say, brothers and sisters, I love you. Praise God, you're out here on a Friday morning. You're the cream of the crop. You're the, you're the good folks. Amen. I'm not mad at you, but I'm saying that there's a lot of people right here that you still walk just like your unsaved neighbors. There's some of you that get just as sick as the people that don't know God. There are some of you that when the swine flu came around and they talked about a pandemic, there's some of you that panicked and feared and went and got shots out of fear. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I'm not mad at you, but I'm just saying that there ought to be a difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. And yet there are some Christians that responded to the fear about this swine flu that was a pandemic that turned out we had less people affected by the flu this last year than nearly any year in the last 10 years. It turned out to be a scam. None of it was true. And yet a lot of you sitting in here, I love you, but I'm saying a lot of you sitting in here fell for this and operated in fear because you walk according to the course of this world. You walk just like an unbeliever. There are many people that if you were arrested for being a Christian, there wouldn't be enough evidence to convict you. You're as sick as your unsaved neighbors. You're as poor as your unsaved neighbors. You're as fearful as your unsaved neighbors. And yet you're born again. Something's wrong with this picture. It's because you don't know who you are. You believe God has power, but it's out there and you've got to do something to obtain it and you just don't feel like you've done enough. It changes everything when you begin to start understanding that I've already got it. God has already put this on the inside of me. If you went around saying, I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead, I guarantee you when the doctor tells you you're going to die, you'd respond differently than the person who doesn't know that they have raising from the dead power on the inside of them. And yet there are Christians that if you're told that you have cancer, you have the same fear, you have the same thoughts, you plan your funeral, the same as a person that doesn't even have the raising from the dead power on the inside of them. And it's because you don't know who you are. And it's because we, we believe God has this power and then we'll pray and ask God to release it, but we don't know that we've already got it. We don't know that we have any control over it. And so we just become beggars. And we plead and beg and wonder why God hasn't moved. God has already moved. He can't do anything. He's already done it. Until somebody stands up and takes their authority. You know, if I gave you my Bible, and if you had my Bible sitting in your lap, and then you came to me and said, Andrew, could I have your Bible? How do I respond to somebody who's asking me to give them something that they've already got? You know, I'd probably not know how to respond. I'd probably just look at you like, what are, what are they saying? What do they want me to do that I haven't all, I'd probably just be quiet. Like I'd be thinking your elevator's not going all the way to the top floor. Amen. <laughs> It'd probably just be silent, similar to what you're getting when you pray and ask God to heal you. Because God's thinking, I've already given it to them. I've already put the raising from the dead power and they're asking me to heal them. What do they want me to do that I haven't already done? You know, when Jamie and I first got started, we were really poor. We did not understand prosperity. I was hurting our own prosperity because I thought if you were called to the ministry, it was a sin to work. 
so I wouldn't work. And that's not what the scripture says, but that's what I thought. And so I wouldn't work. And man, we were about to starve to death and it was bad. And anyway, long, long story, but I was pastoring a church and the Bible that I had was the Bible that I had with me in Vietnam and it was mildewed. And I had written on it so much that I had entire pages, scotch tape so that you couldn't write on it anymore. The whole page was scotch tape. I had entire books of the Bible gone. I had worn that Bible out. And I was pastoring a church and I'd say, turn over to, and it just wasn't there. (laughs) And one of the reasons I can quote so many scriptures is because I had to fake it. I didn't want people to know my Bible. I didn't have Thessalonians in it. So I'd just say, let's turn over to Thessalonians. And I'd quote it like I was reading it. And anyway, I just finally decided that, you know what? God promised us prosperity and sooner or later, I've got to start seeing some of these things that the Bible promises come to pass. And I just drew a line in the sand and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to live or die on whether or not I could get a Bible. Now that may not have been the right thing to do, but I just said, I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm going to believe for enough money to get a Bible. And some of you have trouble understanding this because You'll have $1,000 in the bank, but you've got $1,100 or $1,200 worth of bills. When I say that we were struggling, we didn't have a penny. We didn't have a bank account. We didn't have a phone. If we would have died, they'd had to smell us and come find us because we couldn't call anybody and tell them we were in trouble. We would go weeks without food, without eating. When I say that we had nothing, we had nothing. Our entire first year income was $1,253 and the second year was $1,500 and something. And we were paying $100 a month rent. You know what? This just does not add up. And anyway, I'm just saying that when I say that we didn't have money, we didn't have money and I couldn't go come up with $25 to buy a Bible. It was a major deal. And I just decided I was going to believe God for enough money to get a Bible. And it took me about six months to believe for $25 that wasn't rent, that wasn't food, that wasn't something that was absolutely essential. And I finally went and bought a Bible. And you know, after six months, I went and bought a Bible. I had my name engraved on the Bible. I walked out of that bookstore. And once I had that Bible under my arm, I never doubted that I'd get it. And some of you are thinking, what are you talking about? Did you know before that time, I bet you there wasn't a 10 minute period for that six months that I was awake, that I didn't have some thought like, it's not going to work. You'll not get it. What kind of man of God are you? You can't even believe for a Bible. You don't even have a whole Bible. How are you going to get people saved, healed, delivered? Man, I was just tormented with thoughts that it won't work. You won't get it. Not a single 10 minute period goes through my brain that I didn't have some thought that I had to throw down and say, no, in the name of Jesus, I've got it. But as soon as I had it, I quit doubting that I'd get it. And some of you think, well, I just don't understand. Why would you doubt it that you're going to get it if you've already got it? That's my point. You know, why are you saying the name of Jesus, I'm healed. And then your next thought is you're going to die. And you start thinking them and you catch yourself and you say, no, in the name of, you know why you're going through that struggle? Because you don't believe you've already got it. You believe you might be able to get it if you'll confess and if you'll do things. 
But once you start seeing that you've already got it, that you're already quickened, you've already been raised up, then you'll find out that it's just like, you know, I don't care how long it takes to manifest. I know I'm healed. I know I've got it. And you won't be bothered by all of these other things. It, it changes your attitude. And most people don't understand that we've already got it. And so they're walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Man, there is a great message in that. Did you know people that aren't born again are walking according to a spirit, the spirit of the devil. People who are not born against are influenced by the devil. And they would take great offense at this and say, are you saying that the devil is controlling me? Yep. What I'm saying. It's what the Bible says. Somebody's, oh, well, I don't believe that. It's true. You know, if the de- he doesn't have to get you into just terrible, overt sin. You don't have to be a God hater. You don't have to be in total rebellion. You know, a person who's operating in pride, you've been captured by the devil. That's right. A person who thinks that I can do it. I am a self made man. You might be a very good person and you might do good things for other people, but I guarantee you, you are captured by the devil because you are thinking that it is your power and your ability when the Bible specifically tells us not to lean under your own understanding. Just like we were talking about the offering and people say, this is my money. You might be a good person and you might do good things and you might live in a nice house, but if you're sitting there thinking, it's my money, this belongs to me, Satan has captured you. He's got you in that area. You don't understand things. And I guarantee you, when you stand before God, that deal about it's my money. I could do what I wanted to with. It's not going to fly. You will know all things and you'll be standing before Almighty God saying, oh God, how big I missed it. You know what? That's the course of this world. It's a spirit that's working in the children of disobedience. And even a lot of Christians still have the demonic influence. They've not renewed their mind from when they got, before they got born again. You, we were all raised outside of the Lord. Nobody was born, born, born again. You had to become born again. You had to have an encounter with the Lord. You can't be christened as a baby and automatically be in a relationship with God. You got to have your own personal relationship. God doesn't have grandchildren. You didn't get saved off your parents' faith. You have to have a personal encounter with the Lord. And so during that period of time, before you encountered the Lord, you were educated and dominated and controlled by the devil and taught attitudes and values that are actually from the devil. This selfishness, self-preservation, put me first. If I don't take care of myself, nobody else will. It's completely opposite what God made us to be. He told us to think better of other people than we think of ourselves in Philippians chapter 2. And on and on and on I could go. And most of us don't even realize how demonic the attitudes and some of the values and things that we've got are. Jamie and I did a marriage seminar one time. And and in this marriage seminar, they had every person go around and talk about how they meant. And there was like 40 couples or something there. And did you know out of 40 couples, Jamie and I and one other couple came together in the Lord, were told by God to marry each other, and only two out of 40 couples started in the Lord. And the rest of them, it was like, well, I was drunk, and uh, I saw this 
sleazy woman walked by and I followed her to the hotel room and, you know, and it was just something like that. And I mean, they were terrible. And then they wonder why they're having marriage problems. Their marriage was conceived in sin and in bad things. And I'm not saying, you know, that that's the way that it is with a lot of people and it's just the way that it is, but you need to recognize that that's not the way God intended marriage to be. And if that's the way that you got married and if you started your marriage and stuff outside of the Lord, then there is attitudes and things that need to be corrected. There are values that need to be changed. I'm preaching better than you're listening. This is one of the reasons that Christians aren't experiencing a greater degree of God's power in their life is because they just think, well, I'm saved and all that changed was my eternal destiny. And they don't realize how much we've been controlled, how much of our attitudes and values were imparted by the devil, how under the control of the devil we are. Again, this is offensive to most people, but this is scripture. I didn't write this. I'm just expounding on what the scripture says that before you got born again, you were living according to the spirit of, that works in the children of disobedience. There was a spirit, a demonic spirit that was operating in all of our lives to put fear and selfishness and inferiority and condemnation and just on and on you could go with all of these things. And we've got to renew our mind. And the sad fact is that most people aren't renewing their mind. You know, soon, I'm not ready to do it now, but soon within the next few months, I'm going to be sharing some things that have been brewing on the inside of me for 40 years. And I've been out operating on it, but God has just expanded it and really given me some direction. But you know, God didn't call the church to make converts. He called us to make disciples. He says, go and make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 in the King James, it says, go and teach all people. But that word teach there is the Greek word that means make a pupil or a disciple. It's translated disciple in all of the other translations. And God called us to make disciples, not converts. And one of the reasons that the church is so powerless in our world today is because we have changed this and we've been making converts. We've been getting people born again and having them pray a prayer, but we have not discipled them, trained them in the things of God. And that's, you know, brothers and sisters, I'm saying this in love. I am not against the church. The church is God's system. I am for the church, but I'm just saying that most churches, I could even say most, I believe, most churches are not discipling and doing what God told us to do. And they are, most churches, it's one hour a week. You are never, ever, 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 ever going to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ one hour a week. It cannot happen. And sad to say, this is what the average church is doing, or the average church might do maybe two hours or three hours. That's not going to cut it. You know, this meeting would not even be a godly thing if the church was doing its business. My ministry wouldn't exist if the church was functioning the way it's supposed to. Our Bible college wouldn't exist if the church was doing its job. The church was supposed to disciple people. The church is supposed to get you grounded in these truths, but the average church isn't doing it. And because of that, God has raised up ministries outside of the church, parachurch ministries, Bible colleges to do what he called the church to do. Because of the dysfunction in the body of Christ, this meeting 
and Bible colleges and things like that are an effective thing and God is using it today. But if the church was doing its job, there would be no need for a Bible college. There wouldn't be these things. But this is what God called us to do. We have to be educated. We have to be trained. And yet most people aren't receiving it. And I tell you, this is, this is just real simple, but this is why the body of Christ, why most of us in here aren't walking in the fullness of what God has. It's because we are ignorant of the truths of God's Word. Maybe you hear them and you have some knowledge of it, but we aren't saturated with it. It's not something that is constant in our life. We are more influenced by the negativism of this world and by our previous thoughts than we are the things of God. And there is no antidote that I know for it except to be totally submerged. You just have, it has to be a baptism. You have to just literally saturate yourself in the things of God. You know, a meeting like this where we have five services over three days, this is a small taste of what like a Bible school is. And there are people that will come here and during this week, you will get enough information that I guarantee you, it'll light a fire on the inside of you and you'll go out of here changed. You'll be a different person than when you came in in just a short three days. Imagine what would happen if you sit under this uh, four hours a day, five days a week for two or three years. We see people come in one way and leave another way. And it's just a simple fact. It is just an immersion in the Word of God. And you overwhelm all of these uh, ungodly attitudes that we all were born with and all of these things. And the Word of God, the Scripture talks about being washed by the cleansing water of the Word. The Word changes you. It says, don't be conformed to this world, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, but be con- don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The way you get transformation, that's the same word that we get the word uh, metamorphosis from. If you want a metamorphosis, like a worm spins a cocoon and comes out a butterfly, if you want to go from a creepy, crawly, earthbound worm to a beautiful butterfly, if you want transformation, it happens by the renewing of your mind. The church has basically been preaching, no, it happens by prayer. Pray, beg God, and if it doesn't work for you, get the church prayer group to pray for you and get 100,000 people praying and agreeing and putting pressure on God and just beg and plead with God. You know what? If you knew the Word of God, you wouldn't have to spend near as much time praying. Prayer ought to be used to fellowship with God, not to beg God. It ought to be used for just your relationship, to just tell Him how much you love Him and not spend all of our time begging and pleading for things. Man, I'm not getting very far. I'm trying to make it to verse 8, but I don't think I'm going to get there. In verse 3 it says among whom also we all had our conversation. I know some of you have been sitting here thinking, well, that's not true of me. Well, then just tear. Second, you know, the Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 out of your Bible. Just cut it out because this says that you all had our conversation in times past. If you think, well, that's not true of me. I didn't have a spirit working in me. I didn't walk according to the course of this world. Then just cut this out of your Bible. Don't let the Bible get in the way of what you believe. It says, we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You know what this is doing? Verse one says, 
we also have been quickened, made alive. Verses two and three are describing why we needed to be quickened and made alive because we used to walk according to the course of this world because we were all children of the devil and we were by nature, nature, a child of the devil. Some of you, I wasn't bad. Who wants to be the best sinner that ever went to hell? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, I've never said a word of profanity in my 61 years. I've never taken a drink of liquor. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never tasted coffee. I am Mr. Righteous. (laughs) And yet, who wants to be the best sinner that ever went to hell? You know what? I was by nature a child of the devil. I was lost. I needed to be born again. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh, this is, this is terrible. I don't need all, I didn't need the Lord as badly as you needed him. Then you have, I'm not sure that you ever really got saved. If you, if Jesus is just an add on to your life, if you didn't understand how desperate your situation was, I question whether you truly got born again and whether you put your faith in Jesus or you're just using him to make up the difference. Man, this is describing how all of us were. We all walked according to the flesh. We all were by nature a child of the devil. But then in verse four, it says, but God, man, but God, praise God, man, the whole world was lost. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but God, praise the Lord. He's not trying to emphasize how desperate our situation is. He's trying to emphasize how we've all been raised up with Christ. But for you to fully appreciate being risen with Christ, you've got to recognize that you were dead in trespasses and sin. You've got to recognize how impotent you were before God did these things for us. And so he says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, You know, I wrote this down. This is the amplified translation of Ephesians 2, 4. It says, but God, so rich is he in his mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, he died for us. Man, that is awesome. God, because of his great and intense love for us, didn't want to leave us like we were. Man, this is good news. And you know, again, this is perfectly compatible with what I was saying last night. That there are people that come to me all the time saying, Oh, would you please pray that God would pour out His love on me. This is what this is all talking about. God has already poured His love out on us. He's commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Because of His great and intense love, in order to satisfy this, He was just moved to give His only begotten Son And have his son come here and die for you and me. And yet you are going to say, does God love me? Oh, I tell you, the spirit of slap just wants to come all over me when somebody says something like that. If I was God, I'd just drop kick you right out into space. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. You ought to be glad I'm not God. He's more merciful than I am. But people... Does God love me? Of course he loves you. What does it take for God to prove that he loves you? This is what this is saying. Because of his great and intense love, he's already died for us. Somebody might say, well, I know that that happened, but. 
And again, it goes back to the fact we're carnal. I don't feel a goosebump. I don't feel the presence of the Lord. And so because we don't feel something, we doubt that it exists. That's carnal. We need to get to where the Word of God is how we look into the spirit realm. And this says because of God's great and intense love for us, He died for us. You know, you ought to never get over that. Again, Lamont and Sharon were singing that song, Nothing But the Blood. We ought to never get over the fact that I've been forgiven of sins. Even if there wasn't healing, which there is. Even if there wasn't prosperity, which there is. Even if there was no other benefits, the fact that God has forgiven me and if the worst comes to worst, I'm going to die and go to heaven. Amen. That ought to be enough to put a shout in your step. That ought to be enough to keep you happy the rest of your life if nothing else worked. If you were poor, if you were sick, if your marriage fell apart, if nothing else worked, the fact that you were born again ought to be more than enough for you to rejoice and praise God about. I believe in healing. I believe in prosperity. But if none of that stuff ever worked, you still ought to be praising God. You ought to still be looking towards heaven and saying, man, it's going to be well worth it. And for those of us who know and understand that God wants you well and that God wants you to prosper and God wants to deliver you, well then praise God, we ought to rejoice all the more because we don't have to wait until heaven. We can begin to start praying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can experience these blessings now. And yet how many Christians are going around with their chin dragging the ground? They're so depressed, so discouraged. It says in verse 5, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Quickened us together. He didn't just quicken us, but He quickened us together with Christ. That means that to the same way that Christ was made alive, you were made alive. To the same degree that Christ was exalted, you have been exalted. It goes on to say that right here. It says, He hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. See, most people, they just stumble at this because they think, well, I'm not seated in heaven. I'm seated here in a chair. In Danvers, Massachusetts. I'm not in it. And they think, well, this is just symbolism. It doesn't really mean anything. But you know what? Your born again spirit has been raised from the dead and you are empowered by God and you are in heavenly places with Christ. I don't understand that, but it is not just symbolism. It is not just a word picture. You are seated with Christ at the right hand of God, the father. You have power and authority. You are the one that's in charge. And the only reason that Satan is beating up on us is because we don't know what we have. We don't know who we are. We think that God can do it, but he has not done it. And we have, there are steps and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes God says no. And all of these religious answers have come up to explain things away. And because of that, people aren't experiencing what is rightfully theirs. But the truth is, we have been raised up with Christ, made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Did you know God wants to demonstrate to the world through you how awesome He is by showing His goodness on you? This is what he did with Abraham. Abraham became so rich, so prosperous, 
that he had entire kingdoms come to him and say, leave us. You are greater than our entire nation. One man's prosperity was so great, nations asked him to leave because your gross product is greater than our gross national product. You know, he did that to make other people jealous, to show them how he would treat his people. And today, God wants to show the exceeding greatness of his power and his kindness towards us. God wants you to prosper. It ought to be that, you know, during a recession, that you stand out like a heel thumb. It ought to be that people come and say, how come you're prospering? How come your investments are turning a profit when everybody else has gone down? How come when everybody else gets laid off? Everybody in your department got laid off and yet you still stay here. You still prosper. How come things are working for you? How come that your family is still together after all of the tragedy and the hurt that you've experienced and the problems and yet y'all still love each other? How come you're walking in health when everybody else gets sick? How, you know, instead of it, well, if anybody gets sick, it'll be me. See, that's the attitude of most people. Instead, it ought to be that no plague will come nigh my dwelling is what the scripture promises. That man, no, no sickness is going to touch me. I'm going to walk in health. And when everybody else is sick, you're well. People ought to come and say, how come you're always healthy? How come you haven't taken a day of sick leave in years and years and years? Brothers and sisters, this isn't for the super saints. This isn't just for preachers. This is for Joe Blow, Jane Doe, Christian. You ought to be recognizing that you have been raised up, made to sit together, and God wants to show this world the greatness of His love through His kindness towards you, through blessing you. God wants to prosper you. But see, we have traditions and doctrines of men that make the Word of God of none effect. Mark chapter 7, verse 13. And this is what happens. Religion has come along and told us, oh no, God wants, to, wants you to be poor. God is glorified through your suffering and through your trials. This is what makes you holy. It's what makes you better. That's not true. That is not true. That is not an accurate representation from Scripture. God wants to bless you. God wants to make other people envious at your prosperity, at your joy, at your peace, at your health. Let me just ask you, how many people are so envious of you that they would like what you've got? We got a lot of people out knocking on doors. And man, they look like they've been eating persimmons. They got this mean frown on their face and they say, wouldn't you like to have what I've got? (laughs) They're saying, no, I don't think I will. Are your family members looking at you and seeing such health and blessing and prosperity and joy and peace that they want what you've got? Are your co-workers looking at you and seeing those things? Some of you, it's true. Some of you, I guarantee you, you are a testimony about the goodness and the grace of God. But there are others here and you are just as saved as the ones who are a good testimony. But the difference is you got this religious tradition that has made you think that you're nothing, that you have nothing, that you can do nothing, and you aren't walking in victory. You don't even have a goal of being well. You desire it, but you wouldn't fight for it. If you have a little ache or pain, you just cave and immediately run to find out what's wrong and then do whatever they tell you. I was talking to a woman last night 
who had symptoms of multiple sclerosis. And she said that I'd prayed for her. She was getting better. And she was going to go for a checkup to see if the lesions were gone in her brain. And if they said that she was healed, then she'd quit her medicine. And I said, you know what? I said, doctors are never going to tell you that they're healed. Because according to the medical profession, you can't be healed of multiple sclerosis. And I said, even if all of the lesions are gone, they're never going to take you off your medicine. They're never going to do this because it's liability issue, if nothing else. If they were to tell you that you're healed and then you get a relapse and die, they could be liable. And so they're going to, they're going to always prescribe some kind of treatment or something for something that's incurable because according to their books, according to their thinking, you can't be healed. And I said, if you are going to wait on the doctors to confirm this to you and just follow their advice, you'll never get off of it. I said, sooner or later, you're just going to have to make a decision that you're healed. And you know, we've got a testimony of Mercy Santos who got the cat scans and stuff and the lesions were gone and stuff. And yet her doctor still wanted to give her treatments. And she said, no, I'm healed. And man, we got pictures of her running after she wasn't even able to stand. She was in a wheelchair and stuff. And, but they're never going to tell you completely that you're healed. Sooner or later, you just got to believe God. You got to believe that praise God, you are risen with Christ and you're just going to have to take a step of faith and be different. Amen. Amen. And I know that's scary to a lot of people. That's because you walk according to the course of this world. The spirit that works in the children of disobedience still has a home in you and it's controlling your thinking. And you got to get rid of this religious traditions that make the word of none effect. You got to recognize that God wants you to be living a victorious life. You know, I know I'm disturbing some people by saying this because I'm making you uncomfortable in what you've considered normal all of a sudden this is uncomfortable to you. If what I'm saying is right, then you are living below your privileges and the tendency is just to criticize me. Instead of come up to this level, just try and pull me down to your level. Criticize this and say, oh, this can't be true. That's the tendency of a lot of people. And I know that this is unsettling to you, but if you don't change what you're shooting for, you're never going to be different. I've got to terrify you before I edify you. I've got to raise your sight and let you realize that there's something more. Some of you are shooting at nothing and you're hitting it every time. You're going to have to start shooting at something more than what you've been doing. You've got, to, you've got to believe for something more than your neighbor who doesn't know the Lord. You should be different. You should be expecting things. Things should work differently in your life than people that don't know God. And in a sense, I'm preaching to the choir because this, like I said, is Friday morning and you're out here listening to a hick from Texas. If you aren't a fanatic, you were drugged here by a fanatic. Amen. So I know that many of you have already started raising your sights and believing for more, but we need to be encouraged to believe God for, for everything. We have been raised with Christ, quickened together We've already got it. Everything that we need is right here on the inside. You do not need to go get God to bless you. Go get a double portion 
All of these religious things. Man, I've been in so many services where they have double portion night. And they go back and talk about Elijah and Elisha. And Elisha had twice the spirit on him that Elijah had. And so they want a double portion night. And you come up here and we're going to pray and you're going to get a double portion of the spirit. Well, that worked for Elijah and Elisha because they only had a portion of the spirit. But we have the fullness of Christ living in us bodily. And you can't get twice as much of Jesus. Now you could get more of Jesus manifest, but that's a renewing of your mind. That's a separate issue. You can't get twice the anointing. You can't get twice. You could get twice the anointing manifest in your life, but you can't get God to give you more. You don't get more. You just get more revelation of what you've already got. And yet most people are just susceptible to all of this stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing to me how people just, and it happens because they don't really understand what they've got. Man, there are people that just think, oh God, I've lost my first love and I lost all of these things. We even have doctrines that we're a leaky vessel. And God fills us and it just leaks out as fast as it comes in and you got to be refilled. Well, there are examples in the Bible, Acts chapter 4, of people being refilled with the Holy Spirit. It does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it happens because we take our eyes off of Jesus and we quit flowing in the Holy Spirit. It's not because God made us to be leaky vessels and you just got to constantly be getting a new touch from God and something else. If you are always needing a new touch from God, it's because you're already touched. Right here. You are touched. You aren't thinking properly. The truth is that what God does in your life, it never passes away. Romans 11, 39, uh, 11, 29 says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. God never takes it away. You know, I heard Melinda, there was a question in the training session about with the prayer ministers and one of them asked something about if somebody has lost their healing. And Melinda gave a great answer, scriptural answer. She says, nobody loses their healing. You can't lose a healing. And some of you are thinking, well, I have, or I know somebody that did. No, you don't lose it like you lose your glasses. You don't remember where you put them. You just lost it. You, you wanted them, but you couldn't find them. No, if a person loses their healing, what happened was they quit believing. They had something happen. They might have had a neighbor come up and say, you're a, you're a fanatic. You're crazy for believing this and talked you out of it. Or you had a pain come back or the doctor didn't confirm what you had believed. You didn't lose your healing. You quit believing it. There's a difference between those two. But the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. If you ever had the healing power of God in your body for one minute, it's still there. It never leaves. The only thing is you can shut off the flow of it. It may not be flowing in your body, but you still have that raising from the dead power on the inside. God never leaves you. You know, there's people today in, in church, many of you will recognize this song from Psalms, uh, Psalms chapter 51, where David said, cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We sing those songs in church and it's wrong. Somebody, well, that's scripture. It's an Old Testament scripture. 
when David wasn't born again and the Holy Spirit wasn't promised unto him and he didn't stay constantly. He came and went, but under the new covenant, he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never let go. In the new covenant, he'll never leave us. And yet we stand up and say, oh, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and be with us today. Go with us as we leave this place. All of those are stupid prayers. And it shows that we don't believe what the word of God says, that he's always with us. And because of that, we submit to all kinds of discouragement and hurts and pains and things because we don't understand these truths. Well, I never did make it to verse 8, but I got close. I never finish. I just quit and we'll take up here tonight. Amen. And eventually we're going to get to verse 8. That is one of the verses that has changed my life. This is one of the greatest revelations that I feel that God has ever given me. And I I encourage you, if you can, to come back and be a part of it because this will really, really help you. Also, let me mention that last night and this morning's message has already been taped on DVD and CD, and it'll be available within five minutes of this morning's service being over. So please get these messages and please go back over them and share this with other people. It'll be a help to you. If If there is anyone here today who is not born again, then you know what? You haven't been risen with Christ. And you are, like I was talking about earlier, that you are walking according to the course of this world. You have no other option. You don't have any power on the inside of you. And there is a spirit, the devil's spirit, the spirit of Antichrist is working in the hearts of people that do not know the Lord. And you can't save yourself. You can't just make a New Year's resolution and decide that you'll change. You must be born from above. You have to have God literally come and change your heart. So it's not a matter of going to church. It's not a matter of trying to be a good person. You need to have an encounter with God where he changes you at the heart level. If that hasn't happened to you, you can be born again today. He wants you to receive. He's already provided the salvation. You just need to receive it. And then once you get born again, you also need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which when you get born again is when you get all of the goods But God is a trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He will not move independent of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead. Jesus didn't do any miracles until he was anointed with power of the Holy Spirit. And that's not because he was inferior. It's because God functions as one. And he had to have the completeness of the Holy Spirit dwelling upon him. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My life changed more when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. It changed more outwardly than it did when I got born again. Now, when I got born again, my insides changed, but my outsides changed when I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, you receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And let me also say this. The things I'm talking about are so diametrically opposed to the way that most people are preaching the gospel today that you will not be able to retain this without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to quicken you and give you a revelation, a perception to be able to understand this. So if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you need it. And I could spend hours verifying that, but just take my word for it. It is something that is for everyone. Everyone needs to be born again. Everyone needs to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody in here who would say, I need one or both of those, and I'd like you to pray for me today that I could receive? Anybody here? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Here's some people here. We had, 
I'm not sure, but close to a hundred people last night come forward and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I know a lot of you have already received, but we don't want to let you go without an opportunity. If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand, but didn't do it, just get up out of your seat and come forward. And we want to pray for you right here and help you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and or salvation. Praise God. Just come forward. If you raised your hand, let us pray for you. Praise the Lord. Come right down here in front. Stand here facing me. Stand beside each other, not behind each other, so that we can have people come up and lay hands on you and pray for you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You look a little shaky. What's wrong? No problem. No problem. I believe you're healed right now in the name of Jesus. And we command all of that to leave you. This body to be healed right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Boy, there's an anointing of God. You may feel a little woozy, but it's not because of neuropathy or whatever. It's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Before I can pray with you to receive the Holy Spirit, you must be born again first. You have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody up here who's not sure whether Jesus is your Lord, whether you've been changed in the heart or not? If, if that's you, I need you to raise your hand and we need to pray with you first to get born again before we pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. Anybody? Here's one down here. You aren't sure? You aren't sure whether you've been born again or do you know for sure that you need to be born again? Sometimes you aren't sure. Let's make sure. Amen. And right here's another one. Anybody else? Here's another one. Amen. Boy, that's a great answer right there. She says, I believe in Jesus, but I think I need to be born again. You know, there's a lot of people who believe that Jesus existed, but they've just never made him their Lord. The scripture says in Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. There's, you can believe that Jesus existed, that he was a historical figure, but that doesn't mean that you've made him your Lord. And when you make Jesus your Lord, it doesn't mean that you're saying, I'll never do another thing wrong. I'm always going to be perfect. It just means that you're wanting him to be your Lord. You're giving him that control. You will make mistakes, but you give him the control. You trust him for your salvation. And that's a great thing. Anybody else here needs to pray? Here's a couple of more. All right, what we're going to do, we're going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to pray the words that Romans 10, 9 says you have to say... <laughs> in order to be saved. And it's not magic. It won't just work automatically if you say these words, but if you will say it and believe it in your heart, then it'll work. It says that you have to confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart. So if you'll believe from your heart the words that we're going to say, you will be born again. You will experience God coming and living on the inside of you. Isn't that a good deal? Praise God. God has already forgiven you of your sins. Your sins are really not an issue. He paid for them. The issue is, are you going to accept the payment? Are you going to make Jesus your Savior? Or are you going to just trust yourself and hope that you make it? Well, praise God, I believe you're making Jesus your Savior. 
So let's everybody pray this so that they won't feel like they are the only ones saying it. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive from the dead. And that you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You believe that? Amen. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Isn't that awesome? God is a good God. Welcome. And all the rest of you. God bless you. I believe that you just now got totally changed. You know, you're either still a woman or a man on the outside, but in the spirit, you are a brand new person. Exactly what I've been talking about. You'll spend the rest of your life trying to figure out what's happened to you. And one of the things that will help is when you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to teach you and the Bible says that when he comes, you receive power. And so now every person up here has made Jesus their Lord. And so according to the word of God, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He created you to fill. And that means that you don't have to beg him. You don't have to plead. He wants you to have the Holy Spirit. That's what he created you for. In your spirit, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so all we're going to do is just welcome the Holy Spirit to come and take his rightful place and come and live in his temple. And all we're going to do is just ask once. We aren't going to beg. We aren't going to plead. Some people teach that you got to be perfect. You got to have all sin out of your life. If you could get all of the sin out of your life without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. The very fact that you got problems means you're a prime candidate for receiving the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to ask one time and then I'd like to ask our prayer ministers to come up here. They're going to stand behind you and they're going to lay hands on you because in Acts chapter 2, it talks about that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of hands. And so we're going to lay hands on you and release this power into you. And then after we pray, after they lay hands on you and release the power of the Holy Spirit into you, then I'm going to ask you to quit asking and take a step of faith and just thank God that He gave you the Holy Spirit. I don't care what you feel like. Don't be carnal. Don't go by just how you feel. Believe. Believe that His Word is true. And just start thanking Him. And then those of us that have this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, we're going to start praying in tongues because the Bible says that when you pray in tongues, you give thanks well, 1 Corinthians 14, 17. So we're going to start thanking God in our language. And as we start praying in tongues, you start praying with us. Amen. That's what we're going to do. You're going to ask. They're going to lay hands on you. You're going to start thanking God and praising Him. And then we're all going to pray in our language. And then you quit praying in English and thanking Him in English and start thanking Him in tongues. And I know some of you say, well, I still don't understand this. How do you speak in tongues? I've got a book that will explain it, but I'm just not going to take more time. If you're ready, you can speak in tongues right now. And if not, I'll give you this book. It will explain everything to you and it'll help you to go ahead and receive this. And this will be a powerful, powerful experience. Everybody ready? Are you going to speak in tongues? Yes. This was a question. The Bible says believers speak with tongues. I want you to say, I am a believer. And I will speak with tongues. Father, we thank you for all of these. Thank you for those who 
opened up their life today and made Jesus their Lord and received salvation. We believe that they are a brand new person on the inside, that they are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everyone up here is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so Father, we just open up the doors of our heart of this temple and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come into our lives. We want you to control us. We want your power. We want the quickening understanding of the Holy Spirit. Father, we welcome you and we just ask you to come now into this temple. We lay hands on all of these now in the name of Jesus and say, receive the Holy Spirit. We loose this power of the Holy Spirit to flow into these lives right now. And Father, we thank you that right here is the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit flowing. Thank you that the Holy Spirit comes, brings his gifts and his anointing. Thank you that we now have this ability to speak in tongues. Now I want you to quit asking and go to thanking God. I want you to put your hands up in the air like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender. I want you to yield and just say, Father, I surrender. These are like spiritual antennas for receiving. Father, we receive. Thank you. Let's just begin to praise God. I want you to say, thank you, Father, for filling me with the Holy Spirit. We receive your power right now. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's pray in tongues right now. And you start thanking God in your spirit language. And as we speak in tongues, you speak with us. Just open up. You can't speak in tongues with your mouth closed. You've got to open your mouth to speak in tongues. Some people think that the Holy Spirit's going to force you to speak in tongues and just take control and make you talk. It's not like that. You have to start speaking and by faith believe that that's the Holy Spirit that's giving you the understanding. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying. But I can promise you, your tongue will be different from theirs. It'll come out differently. You can't say the same thing. Don't shake your head no. Shake it yes, yes, yes. You got the power of the Holy Spirit right here. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we just thank you. We loose this power to flow in our life right now in Jesus' name. You need to speak out. Be bold. Some of you think, but I don't know what I'm saying. You aren't talking to yourself. You're talking to God. God knows what you're saying. God's inspiring it. It might be like a little baby when it first comes out. It's not very clear. And some people might say, oh, that's not really mama or daddy. But I guarantee you, the mama and the daddy know what that child's saying. Your heavenly father is pleased with this. Just speak. You can't talk with your mouth closed. You can't talk in tongues and English at the same time. Thank you, Jesus. There you go. Shake your head. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. That's it. Just speak out. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Father. Man, the power of the Holy Spirit's flowing. There's lots of people receiving this language. It enables you to bypass your brain 
and all of the doubt and the fear that's in your brain and you're able to talk to God right out of your spirit. And this part of these people that just got born again that's clean and pure and without sin. You're talking directly from your spirit to God. You're bypassing the doubt and the unbelief. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. You know, whether you spoke in tongues or not, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit. When I first prayed for this, it took me three and a half years to speak in tongues, but that's because I was a Baptist. And I had been taught that this was of the devil and I had so much fear about it and confusion. I thought that the Holy Spirit was going to force me and I just opened my mouth and waited on him to make me talk. And there was a lot of misconceptions, but I finally got my questions answered. I've got a book that deals with all this. It talks about what salvation is. So those of you who got born again, it'll explain what true salvation is. It will also explain this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And we want to give every one of you this book because what's happened to you today is really important. It is really important. You may not feel a thing. When I received the Holy Spirit, I didn't feel anything, but I guarantee you, it changed my life. And this is more important than what any of you understand. I can promise you that. You don't understand fully what's happened. And this book will help you. And so I want everyone to receive it. It's a free gift to you. And uh, I encourage you to read it. And even if you didn't speak in tongues, you can read this book and speak in tongues. I don't think anybody ever had more trouble speaking in tongues than I did. But praise God, I got over it. And I can speak in tongues. You can get over it too. Amen. So we've got Ashley right here. He's the one with his hand up. He's my good buddy from England. He's a blessing. And if you would follow him, he wants to give you a book and they will pray with you and help you any way they can. So just for a few moments, just follow him over to a room where they want to give you this book. It'll only take a moment and we want you to get the full impact of what's happening. Let's praise God for all of these. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. I tell you what, this this teaching should be quickening your faith that you know what, we've already got it. We've got this supernatural raising from the dead power on the inside of us. And all we got to do is release it. So if you need prayer, these are our prayer ministers and they aren't going to be down here begging God and pleading, oh God, please stretch forth your hand and heal. They believe that God has already put that raising from the dead power on the inside of you and us. And all we're going to do is just take our authority and release it. We're going to agree with you and release the supernatural power of God. So if you would like prayer for anything, I'd like to encourage you to come down here and let one of our prayer ministers just agree with you and release the supernatural power of God. So if you'd like prayer, just get up out of your seat right now and come forward and let someone agree with you and pray. The rest of you, if you'll wait just a moment, let these people come down and and receive prayer. Then we are going to dismiss you. Remember that we have services tonight at 7 o'clock, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, and then tomorrow night, our last service 
is at 6 p.m. because our crew has to tear down all the equipment and sometimes they'll stay up till 2 or 3 o'clock. It gives us an extra hour of sleep. So uh, we're going to start tomorrow night at 6 p.m. And don't forget that we have the CDs and DVDs of all of the services so far available out there. I always have somebody ask and they say, I can't be here tonight. Could I go ahead and get tonight's message? No, you can't. And I'm not even going to explain that, but I'll just tell you that, nope, you can't. So um, anyway, come back if you want to get tonight's message. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Isn't this great? The rest of you, you're, you're free to leave if you need to go. I am going to stay here and we will pray with people. You're welcome to stay and pray with us, but thank you for coming. And I believe that the word of God is going to make a big impact in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we agree and we pray for all of these right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you have already provided this, that you have quickened us, you have made us alive, that you put on the inside of us the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We agree and we receive that. And we thank you that that power is flowing right now in Jesus' name. Father, we release this power right now and we thank you that every one of these is being healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Here's a number of people's backs being healed right now. You've been having pain. Somebody's got pain in your back over on one side. It's not your spine. It's a muscle or something over on one side. Here's the supernatural healing power of Jesus flowing towards you. Who's this that had the pain on the side in the back? If that's you, I want you to stand or raise your hand. Here's some people over here. Here's two people. Anybody else? Here's a person. Here's two more. Here's some over here. Father, right now, we release this anointing to flow right now. And we speak to these backs. Whatever it is, it causes this pain. Pain, you leave them right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Father, we release your anointing to go right to the root of that pain. Whatever it is that caused that pain in their back, be healed in Jesus' name. Bodies be healed. Muscles be healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's the healing power of God. I believe that right now pain is leaving you. Just praise God for that. Receive it. Whether you feel it or not, here's the healing power of God taking away the root of that thing. Father, we receive this healing now in Jesus' name. And thank you that from this time forth, we're healed. This pain's over. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Praise God. Praise God. Did any of you have pain before and it's already gone? Can you tell that your pain is already gone? Move around. Here's a lady. Her pain's already gone. This one, her pain's already gone. Anybody else? Anybody else? That the pain is already gone? You know, here is about two out of eight people, I think it was, that the pain left. If God healed two of you, he healed all of you. Sometimes it takes a little while for what 
happens to manifest, but I believe that the healing power of God is flowing. You know, somebody here is being healed of a hernia. If you've had a hernia, I want you to stand. Here's the healing power of God flowing towards you and God is healing this hernia. Here's a man over here in this corner. Anybody else? Here's another man. Anybody else? Here's somebody. Here's a couple of people over here. Father, right now, we command these hernias to be healed. Whatever's been damaged here, Father, we release the anointing of God and command healing into this. Right now in Jesus' name. Oh, there's the anointing of God. I believe that right now this pain is leaving you. That right now these muscles are healed. Everything goes back into its proper place, proper position. Father, we agree. We just receive your supernatural power flowing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for healing these people. Praise God. I believe you're healed. I believe that the power of God has flowed, that that's over. You're healed in Jesus' name. Father, we receive this. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody here's got a blood disease. I don't know what it is. That's just what I've felt impressed in my heart. If you've got a blood disease, I want you to stand and raise your hand. Here's the healing power of God flowing towards you. And God's healing this blood. Who's this that had a blood disease? Stand up. Here's the person back here. Anybody else had a blood disease? Praise God. You know, maybe this is for some of you watching by the internet who are watching this program, even if it's weeks later, months later. I believe that God is healing people with blood diseases right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release this power. I speak this with my word. We curse that disease. Whatever is in that blood that is incorrect, we curse it, command it to die. Any infection, any virus, any infirmity, we just speak death to it in Jesus' name. And Father, now we release life. We release your anointing to flow through their bodies, Father, and to bring their blood back to normal. I thank you that from this time on that their blood is healed. That, Father, they are producing healthy blood and that this sickness and disease is out of their body in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Father, we agree and we receive that. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Somebody in here has really struggled with, uh, you just are tired. You know, there's a number of different things, a uh, number of different diseases that it's just chronic fatigue that always associated with you. Here's the healing power of God right now. If that's you, I want you to stand. Raise your hand. Praise God. Here's some people here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release your anointing now to flow towards these. And we command this fatigue to leave and whatever the source of it is. We curse this thing. We command you, Satan, to take your hands off of them. You know, some of you who are standing... You've been to the doctor and they can't find anything wrong with you. There is no, there's no reason according to what the doctors say. It's not physical. It's not organic. It's a demonic spirit that's just trying to sap the life out of you. I break that spirit of infirmity right now and command that weakness, this tiredness to be gone out of your body. Leave now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Father, we lose strength and healing to flow through these bodies right now. 
I believe in the name of Jesus that you are going to be invigorated, that you're going to have supernatural strength. You're going to have to now change the way you think. You've been thinking sick. You've been expecting things to be tiring to you. You've planned your whole life around this. You need to start acting like a normal person. You need to go out and play golf. Go walk or do something. Amen. Praise God. Change the way you think. I believe that you're healed now in the name of Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive these miracles in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody here has got uh, lesions all over your body. Just spots on your body where your skin breaks. And you have infection and things like this. I don't know what that is, but the Lord just showed me somebody. Matter of fact, you know, a few years back, I called out something similar to this here in um, Boston. And there was a woman who came up and she had just, they were like um, boils all over her skin. And we prayed with her. And by the next morning, all of them were gone. Her flesh was normal. It turned out she had AIDS. And these were all of the sores and stuff that AIDS caused. And man, she got miraculously healed. Came out to our Bible college in Colorado Springs and uh, was miraculously healed of AIDS. Really a great story. story. Praise the Lord. But there's somebody here who has these lesions on your body. You got something like sores and things on your body. Who's that? If that's you, I want you to stand. Here's a man right here. Anybody else? Anybody else who has that? I want you to stand and raise your hand if you're already standing so I can see who you are. Anybody else? Praise God. Father, I pray for this man right here and in the name of Jesus, we just release your anointing. Let me ask a couple of believers to go lay hands on him. Somebody who's a believer, not a doubter. Father, we release your anointing right now to flow in his body. And we command these lesions on his body, whatever this is, to get off of him. Satan, we break your power and command you to loose him and to let him go now in the name of Jesus. Brother, that's the anointing of God flowing in your body right there. We loose this anointing to flow. And Father, now we loose your life your healing power, the anointing of God to flow through his body and to get rid of these sores, these lesions that his body will recover. And whatever caused all of that, I thank you that the root of it is gone, that he's healed by the stripes of the Lord Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive this in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Father, we just receive this miracle in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. And Father, we believe that every sickness and every disease is healed. Thank you that you've already supplied it. You've already put this power on the inside of us. 
And Father, we're just releasing it by our faith. Thank you that every person under the sound of my voice, I thank you that the power of God is flowing, that people are being healed. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the Lord's speaking to me that many of you in here are being healed, not necessarily of something physical, but in the way of thinking. You're being healed from false doctrine. That God has just stirred you up. And I believe that you're being healed in your thinking. That God is releasing His power in your life. Father, we thank you for renewing minds. For getting rid of stinking thinking. That, Father, your power is renewing us and we are seeing the truth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We agree and we receive these miracles in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Awesome. Well, Father, we thank you for everything you've done here today. Thank you for the Word of God changing people's hearts and minds. Thank you for healing our bodies. Thank you for prospering us financially. Father, thank you for everything you've provided. We agree and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I'm going to dismiss you. I'd like to remind you that we'll be back tonight at 7 o'clock, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., and then 6 p.m. And don't forget all of the materials out there. Also, if the Lord impressed on you about ambassadors to the nations, remember that uh, ministry to the uh, children in Nicaragua and Mexico, and then also our two Bible colleges. Make sure you check out those Bible colleges if the Lord has spoken to you. God bless you. You're dismissed.